For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger For the ones who get it done. What's up, everybody? It's your boy B. Scott with the Philadelphia Eagles. I just want to thank you all for tuning in. Don't forget to subscribe to the show and leave a five-star rating. Fly, Eagles, fly. Thanks for tuning in to Eagles Brawl of the Brawl Network. However you're listening, you're either on Twitch, Periscope, you're on Facebook Live, wherever you're getting the live show right now. We greatly appreciate it. Joining me and Tyler, as always, on Saturdays, our Eagles Brawl Insider at Cross. Ed, pretty pretty hectic week. We're all we're all questioning Carson Wentz as a quarterback. We're questioning Doug Peters as a head coach. That's pretty much for the talk of the week. The best thing about the Saturday show is you and I like to focus on the game of hand, and we also got some other news and notes that we can talk about for the week. So we're not gonna—it's not gonna be a whole Carson Wentz episode, it's not gonna be a whole Doug Peterson episode. If you want to listen to that, go back listen to our podcast wherever you get podcasts. We got tons of content like that going on this week. What we're gonna focus on right now is I can't believe that they're switching the O line up, Ed. I—I th- I mean, I—I I am a firm believer in offensive line chemistry. Yep. And now we got Nate Herberger that's going to be at left guard, and we got Matt Pryor that's going to be right guard. Understandably so that Matt Pryor is going to be more comfortable at right guard. That's the seems to be the thought around it. But what is your take on that? Because I I don't know. Nate Herberger really was settled in at right guard. I here's my thing. You're they're pretty much asking Nate Herberger, who they think is better than Matt Pryor, obviously at this point, to take on the harder task. Whereas they're asking Matt Pryor to fill in at the weakest spot on their O line because he's going to fit next to Lane Johnson. And Jason Kelsey, whereas Nate Herberg has to pick up maybe a Jason Peters type play, has to elevate his uh, deteriorating play. That's my thought into it, I guess. Yeah, I mean, you could kind of see the see it coming earlier in the week when Doug was asked how Pryor did when he filled in uh, for Isaac Ciamalu, uh at left guard when Ciamalu went out. Now Ciamalu is on IR for at least three games, but uh, he didn't exactly give Pryor a glowing recommendation there at that left guard spot. Uh, they're more comfortable with Pryor on the right side, clearly. And it's they have absolute trust in Nate Herbig to move from the left side, or I'm sorry, from the right side to the left side. Uh, that's really what it's all about is they trust Herbig to come in and be able to make that transition seamless. And, you know, to me, uh, Nate Herbig is really one of the feel-good stories of what has so far been a disappointing uh, season for Philadelphia. Um, this kid's just turned 22 years old. He was signed as a 20-year-old. I wrote a story about him for SI, um, just how last year when you saw him in the locker room, he was like a, a puppy dog. He was just so happy to be there. He was bouncing around from locker stall to locker stall to, you know, all these offensive linemen stalls. And he was like everybody's kid brother. You know, he was, he was really, it was really kind of cool to see that he was so happy. I mean, think back when you were 20 years old, 
what were you doing when you were 20? I mean, this kid's in an NFL locker room. He signed as an undrafted free agent. He made the team. And now here he is becoming a trusted member, uh, so much so that Doug and Jeff Statlin feel comfortable plugging him in next to Jason Peters at left guard. Now we'll see how it goes. The right guard spot, like you said, he did a pretty good job, uh, especially last week uh, against the Rams, who had Aaron Donald lined up from him uh, occasionally, but they double-teamed Donald a lot. But uh, here's a kid that they really believe uh, can make this transition seamless. And to Herbig's credit, when we had him on Zoom, um, he talked about how it's just flipping the hands, flipping your mind. You know, everything's flipped because you're on the different side of the line. And then you think back to last year when Andre Dillard was asked to move from left tackle to right tackle and how he said, oh, it's like, you know, he made a big fuss about it and kind of complained about it and predictably was benched at halftime after they moved him to right tackle. So Herbig has the right mentality to do this, and I, I suspect he's going to have a, a pretty good game uh, on Sunday. Dude, you are enthused about Nate Herbig. I am. That, that was very passionate speech about Nate Herbig there. I like it. I mean, he's a good player. He's going to take somebody's job. I, I like Herbig. I like him a lot as a person. You know, like I got to know him pretty well last year. He's from Hawaii. He played with Tua Tagliavoa. Uh, in high school at St. Louis High School in Honolulu. He was a teammate of two was in high school. Um, he told an interesting story about how his family, you know, it's six-hour time difference in, in Hawaii. So they get up, you know, for these 1 o'clock games. They're, they're starting at 7 a.m. over there in Hawaii. So his family gets up, his friends get up, and they make a big deal out of it and watch him play. And he's trying to make them proud as well. I love it. I love it. Now that's a guy I want to cheer for on Sundays. Yeah. The way he's playing, he's going to take somebody's job, though. With the way the cap's going, might well, take somebody's job if he continues to play this well. He's on a favorable contract, undrafted cool. free agent contract. Uh, my thing is, as you say, Amalu, from the way that the media at least portrayed it a little bit, it seems like it's not going to be the three-week IR, though. It seems like he's going to be out for a while. Is that, should we expect that? Uh, I mean, Doug said it's probably going to be more than three weeks, um, a little more than Three weeks, so maybe four weeks. You know, who who knows? I mean, I think it's a knee injury. I mean, it could could be a knee injury. Uh, You know, who knows how long they take to to heal, depending on what the injury is. If he needs some kind of an arthroscope on it, we don't know all the details about it. He never really got asked that much about Isaac this week. Um, Mm -hmm. Only one. Yeah, so so maybe you know we'll learn more about exactly what the nature of the injury is. Uh, and how long he will miss. But Bugs seemed to indicate that, yes, it will be more than three weeks. Alshon Jeffries back at practice. Are we all excited? The Savior has returned. The Eagles missing link at wide receiver is back at practice. What are we all thinking? I know he's not going to be out. He's going to be out versus Cincy, we all know. Uh, Pittsburgh probably not going to happen either. What do you What do you think, Ed? What do you think he's going to be back? Well, I mean, you know, he's 30 years old. Um coming off a foot injury, which obviously affects wide receivers. Uh, a lot of cutting, a lot of running. Uh, I, I think it, it probably will be maybe Baltimore. Uh, yeah. The, he'll miss Cincinnati for sure. I don't think he'll play in San Francisco. Uh, and then you have Pittsburgh, maybe Pittsburgh. Uh, but you never, you, you know, you don't know. I mean, we're going to see how these Eagles receivers do on Sunday. We'll see how they do. Um, in San Francisco, I mean, if they're really struggling uh, and Jeffrey's close, they might push him a little bit sooner than maybe they want to uh, just to get him back out there. But right now he's not playing against Cincinnati, and I doubt he's going to play 
uh, in San Francisco. But, you know, he, he is a guy that they certainly could use uh, if he comes back and he's able to give them uh, anything close to what he's given them in the past. Uh, so, yeah, I think you should be excited about Alshon. I know that he got a bad rap for leaking information to Josina Anderson about Carson Wentz and about the front office, and uh, that's never been proven, but that's always been the suspicion that it was it was Alshon. Um, but, you know, look, he's a talented receiver. He's a guy you can throw the ball up to, uh, and he can go catch it. The trouble with it is, is Carson Wentz never really showed a whole lot of faith to just throw the ball up to Alshon Jeffrey and let him make a play. Uh, he seemed more comfortable going to like Zach Ertz. And that was one of Alshon's problems was too much Zach Ertz in the offense. Um, so, you know, Alshon, or Carson's really has to trust Alshon when he comes back and give him opportunities uh, to win those 50, 50 balls because he's very good using his body and he's very good in going up and making a catch. So uh, Carson just has to trust that for Alshon to come back and be this super savior. We're all talking about. Notice that I just turned my hat on backwards for my quarterback in solidarity for my quarterback. <laughs> stand with Carson Wentz with the hat backwards. Yeah. Uh, I agree with you, Ed, though. I don't, I, a lot of people seem to think I, I, there's a lot of hype for Alshon Jeffrey coming back. I don't know if you noticed. I think a lot of the fans on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, all the places that you could talk Eagles are excited the potential of Alshon Jeffrey coming back. I think at this point with Rager's injury now, you're forced to push him out on the field. I think whenever he says – I'm 70%. They're going to play him. So maybe against Pittsburgh, it's possible he's back. I'm expecting either the decision to come down to that game. I don't think think the next two games we're looking at it being out no matter what. But I think the decision comes down to that Pittsburgh game if he's going to play or not. The veteran boost is where all I can see where it's helping because I just don't know, though, because they managed Deshaun Jackson so well, which I expect to change now that Rager's hurt. If they do the same with Alshon, it's weird because – these guys probably aren't in your plans long-term. I would push them as hard as I could, and whatever they can give me, great. If they get hurt, so be it. We were already wondering what we have in these younger guys anyways. Yeah, um, and Doug talked about trying to get J.J. Ortega-Whiteside more involved. And, gosh, I mean, they've only targeted him twice in two games. And, uh, you know, he was I'm on sure the Doug, I, you know, I'm sure if Doug Peterson played quarterback, he would get him involved. It's his quarterback <laughs> that's not getting him involved. Well, Carson tried, and he threw an interception in the end zone against L.A. last week. It was a turning mm-hmm. point in the game. So, um, yeah, I mean, to me, you, you got to get him involved with maybe some quick slants, some, you know, relatively simple uh, completions instead of these, you know, deeper throws. I mean, throw him the ball off the line, get him a little more involved, get him a feel for catching the football and trying to make a play, give him some confidence early in the game, and then maybe you hit him on a deeper play later in the game. But, you know, it's not just on him. You know, Greg Ward hardly saw the field last week against L.A. after a big dosage of plays against Washington. Um, And then John Hightower, you know, let's see what the rookie can do. He wasn't targeted last week against L.A. after four targets against Washington. So, you know, he's going to have to be involved too. And um, maybe they activate Deontay Burnett later today, and, and he has a little bit of a role. But um, to me, Deshaun Jackson, that plan of managing his snaps kind of goes out the window to me at this point. Uh, and it, it has to go out the window. Yeah, I mean, he he, had, he played 77% of the snaps last week, but they never threw to him in the first half, which was weird. Um, yeah. So, you know, they have to have a better plan for Jackson, too, in this game Sunday. It seemed like they schemed around him in the second half. Like they went into the halftime adjustments and were like, all right, Deshaun's turn now. And then they started going around him. And then the drive started where they were going in the end zone. And then Carson Wentz throws the interception. But 
I agree with the comment that we got below. Greg Ward is really Carson Wentz's third down reliability guy if Zach Ertz isn't open. Why are we not putting Greg Ward more involved? Now they're going to be forced to. Every receiver on this roster just saw their staff increase when Jalen Rager went down. But I get the guy that's reliable involved. It's a good question there from uh, Man Man Gigs. <laughs> um, you know, he only played. Let me see. I have the book here. He only played um, uh, how many snaps? He only played thirteen snaps against the Rams. That's, which is weird. That's insane. Yeah. I don't know that. I don't know why here, thirteen snaps is nothing. Here's why: because they have to play this twelve personnel. You know, they go with the two tight ends all the time. I mean, it, it was like 80% of the snaps last week were in 12 personnel. And, and yeah, I know it creates mismatches and stuff, but you have to take a receiver off the field. And last week, that was Greg Ward. Um, but you're right about him being reliable hey, in Washington. Hey, real real quick. Sorry. I'm sorry, yeah. No, 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 you're fine. I just think that that's a good point. Do you think that Doug Peterson is having a hard time Showing different looks. Do you think he's having a hard time? Almost, he feels obligated to have Ertz and Goddard on the field at the same time instead of using different looks. Well, I mean, look at the receiver core. I mean, yeah, I mean, I, I think you look at Zach Ertz and Dallas Goddard, and they're the two best tight end combo, I think, in the league, the top two or three, you know, minimum. Um, so he wants to get them on the field, but there are limitations with what you can do in that 12 personnel set. And you risk becoming a little bit stale, a little bit predictable. Um, I mean, to me, you drafted all this speed, and I know Rager's out now, but you still have Hightower. You still have Deshaun Jackson healthy for now. Um, use some of this speed. Let's see it. Use. Don't be afraid to roll these three receivers out there if you think – even if you think they're not as good as having two tight ends on the field, I think you need to back off that 12 personnel look and come at teams a little bit more differently because – I think, Tyler, you're right. I, I think they're just a little bit more predictable now. There's only so much you can do with two tight ends. And what more can you show? What more can you do? I mean, they've shown just about every look they can probably show in 12. So use three more three receivers. Get your running backs more involved. I, I even like the two running back look. You know, when Hurts lined up, Jalen Hurts lined up in the backfield against the Rams. That's a cool look. Last year we saw, um, I think it was Sanders, uh, rip off a 54-yard run in Buffalo with Jordan Howard next to him. Um, mm-hmm. You know, yeah. two yeah. running backs. I mean, come on, let's 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 be a little more diverse in your game plan here. So, speaking of diverse in your game plan, why can't you start lighting Zach Ertz up at X? Why can't you start lighting Dallas Goddard up in the slot? These guys are mismatches, and Zach Ertz is one of the best route runners in the NFL. Where is that creativity? Yeah, I mean, I, I think they did show that a little bit with Goddard. He was lined up against Ramsey, and he actually beat him. Mm-hmm. And and went to yeah, beat him all times. Yeah, yep. yeah. Um, but in and going back to to what Ed was saying, I just think from twelve personnel, this team runs the ball so well, and this offensive line is playing so well. I think that they lack deep shots from twelve personnel. Like they don't. It, it, it's almost as if like they're just content with taking the eight yard chunks. And it's like if you look at like a San Francisco or even L.A. last week. These guys, this, these teams are getting 20, 25-yard plays early and often, and it just seems like, and obviously I know there's went struggles, and but it does seem like a lot of them are gimmies, and the Eagles lack just like just a guy being schemed open by 10 yards. And that's mm-hmm. why my, my frustration has been, yeah, Wentz has been playing bad, but I do think it's been – I, I know we don't want to go down that loophole, but 
Um, it has been frustrating with the lack of creativity from 12 personnel. Uh, and I think that the team can absolutely convert on deep shots from that personnel. I don't think it changes much this week, to be honest with you, though. I think I they're just going to stick to the main 12 personnel. The linebackers are inexperienced. I think they're going to try to use the tight end matchup uh, to win that way. Also, the run. I, we actually have a comment here. Miles Sanders is going to go off. Miles Sanders is going to That's going to be a huge Miles Sanders day. I'll say it right now. We'll talk about it on a pregame show tomorrow. But if you don't have Miles Sanders in your FanDuel or DraftKings lineup, tear it up. It's wrong. It's wrong. Yeah. He's such a value play this week with how much he is. But we have another question, which I actually wanted to bring up now because I, I think it's an interesting topic, I guess. Uh, what, what, do you, what do you say about Jason Peters? Should they have brought him back? Uh, yeah. Simple for me is yes, they should have brought him back. I thought he played a lot better at left, left tackle against Los Angeles than he did at Washington. The offensive line has been playing really well. Like, it's really hard. I mean, yeah, this team has a lot of things that you can criticize, but I don't think the offensive – I mean, I know week one was was eight sacks, but a lot of those were on the quarterback. Like, I, I don't have any complaints about how they've held up. And it's early, and normally this unit takes a little bit to get going and find their rhythm kind of in the colder months. But, I mean, for the first two weeks, I thought that they played – they haven't been like a liability to the offense, especially in, and I'm saying the the unit because Peters is obviously a part of it, but I think he's, he's, he's not going to get too much push in the run game. It's just not who he is, but if he keeps number 11 upright, then he's doing his job. Yeah. I mean, mm-hmm. listen, Peters was, wasn't very good in the opener, um, which, you know, you probably say, well, it's because he didn't start playing left tackle until that week, but you know, he's been in the league for 16 years. Uh, he should have known, uh, what was coming, but you know, there is some value in getting reps and repetition and communication and all that stuff. And, um, he played a lot better in week two and <clears throat> he wouldn't, I don't think he'd, you know, to answer uh, that question, I don't think he would have been on this team had Brandon Brooks not got hurt. And then Andre Dillard got hurt. I, I think Peters probably isn't on the team to be honest. Um, but now he is, he, he, he's a valuable tool at left tackle. And the surprising thing is he hasn't gotten hurt yet. Um, he hasn't, he's played every snap of every game. He hasn't come off. He hasn't, um, had any nagging injuries during the week. Um, you wonder if that's going to continue for all 16 games that we'll see if it does, that's great. Um, because the Eagles need him. I mean, who, who comes in and plays left tackle if he gets hurt, you know, Jordan Malata, maybe Jack Driscoll, but I think they're more comfortable with Driscoll on the right side. So it would be an issue if something were to happen to Peters and the way, Injuries have hit this line so far. I mentioned Brooks. I mentioned Dillard. Now you have Siamalu. Um, you know, you got to keep those two Jasons, Peters and Kelsey, healthy uh, for as long as you can, hopefully all 16, uh, and so this line can build some uh, some cohesion and some unity. Connor, before you uh, ask that question, um, Ed, do you think that Driscoll could be comfortable on that left side? I, I don't know. I mean, I know they played him during camp at right tackle and right guard. I mean, I thought – he might have been a candidate to come in at right guard instead of prior. I thought they might go in that direction. Um, but I think they want to keep him as kind of a reserve tackle just in case something were to happen. I, I'm not so sure it would be uh, Driscoll if something were to happen in game. I think it would be Malata because Malata has gotten those reps. Um, and then during the week, if it was a long-term thing with Peters, then, then maybe you look at Driscoll on that side. Um, but that's the problem is – you know, you have to settle on some guys here. You have to hope injuries don't impact them anymore because, you know, these rotating pieces in and out during the week, 
You don't know who's going to play right guard or left guard until later in the week. I mean, you have to settle on an offensive line unit and work with them all week long. You can't rotate guys in through the week and observe them. Um, that's been kind of a, an issue, I think, in, in some respects. I know Sunday they played a, a pretty good game, didn't give up any sacks. Um, but still, I mean, that to me is an anomaly. You want this line to be settled and worked with through the week. Absolutely. Chemistry on the offensive line is incredibly important. It, it could ruin – it doesn't matter what the talent is up there. It can make or break a whole entire season if they don't have chemistry. But I do think it's a good question that we were asked, uh, even if it's Wyatt Teller or any other offensive lineman, because I think this question can go for anything. Do you think that they might be on the O-line market anyways? Do you think that they might be snooping around for some guys to fill in? Because at some point, Ed, we know – I mean, they love the Cordy Glenn no matter what, even with Peters being on the team – they know that Peter's going to go down at some point. At some point, somebody's going to have to go in there. Are we really going to trust a fourth-quarter comeback that Carson Wentz needs to have with Jordan Mulata there protecting his blind side? I know he came in and he's looked nice sparingly, but he, again, sparingly. Yeah, I'm looking at this question here from Coda's Cove, and um, they ask about Wyatt Teller from the Browns. And I, and I have to be honest, I don't, I don't really know who Wyatt Teller is. I'm really not – overly familiar with too many offensive lines in the NFL, to be honest. Um, but if you listen to Howie uh, talk in the past, he always mentions that they always keep their ears open, their phone lines available to whatever might be out there. They're always in on talking to different GMs about different personnel. So um, it, it wouldn't surprise me if they bring in an offensive lineman. Um, mm-hmm. But, you know, they did draft Driscoll. They drafted Prince Tega Wanaga, who's on, who's on the practice squad. They have Sua Opita, who's up uh, as a guard. Um, you know, these are guys that have been in the system now and um, are familiar with the way Jeff Statlin calls games and handles uh, protections throughout the week. So uh, I, I wouldn't say no, he's not going to bring in an O-lineman because he's in on just about everybody that could be available. Um, but it also comes down to are the Eagles going to be buyers and sellers uh, as this season marches toward the trade deadline. Um Right now they're zero and two. I mean, if they're and they have a tough schedule, if they're sitting at two and five, I mean, I I don't see them bringing in anybody. Uh, maybe they get rid of people at that point. I mean, it's just too soon to say. Um, they did bring in Demon uh, Jamon Brown from the Bears practice squad. He's still on the roster, uh, so they they might be just confident in what they have. Uh, and then another thing to keep in mind with trades to answer that question from Coda's Cove is just how much is Wyatt Teller cost? I mean, that's something that Howie has to be mindful of from here out is the salary cap situation. How's that going to impact that bottom line if they were to bring somebody in? Another thing that I want to get on to moving on from the whole entire offensive, because I think to answer the question, Wyatt Teller is actually a pretty good candidate and Andrew Berry's over there in Cleveland. So if Howie Rosen wants to toss him a conditional uh, mid-round pick, I think that's a good guy to target for sure, especially with the interior lines kind of, the death uh, moving forward is questionable. On well, the whole entire offensive line, maybe they bring him in as a future project. Just, just answer that question. That's how I feel. But uh, another thing, because I've been I, just asking around about this conditioning staff. Nobody tr- on this team trusts this conditioning staff. It seems like there's always injuries. I mean, excuse me, fans don't really trust it at all. We always are questioning it in the media, radio shows. We're always talking about it. But after doing some digging, I found out that one of the Eagles starters doesn't even – refuses to use the strength and conditioning staff when he uh, trains with them. He, he uses his college strength and conditioning staff. Is that alarming to you? 
Um, well, I mean, it, it's a bit surprising. I mean, the Eagles brought in an all new uh, medical staff, a training staff uh, to try to address some of these injury issues. And yet we're seeing them, but um we're seeing a lot of injuries across the NFL. I mean, you look at Sunday's games, there were seven torn ACLs across the NFL. I mean, that's, that's crazy. Um, you know, is that a product of not having much of a training camp? Uh, no OTAs, no, you know, working the same muscle groups over and over. I mean, you can make that argument. Um, I don't know how much you can do to prevent, you know, a torn UCL ligament in the thumb like Jalen Rager had. How do you prevent that? I mean, you can't. Mm-hmm. I mean, how do you prevent an ACL? I'm not sure you can. But now the soft tissue stuff is another uh, another issue. You know, your groins, your hamstrings, those type of things. You probably can strengthen those in some form. And um, as far as the Eagles staff, I don't I don't know. I mean, it's a, it's a kind of a small body to work with at this point. I mean, it's only been you know uh, since the spring when they revamped uh, their medical staff and their training staff. And you know, these doctors and trainers haven't really had a chance to be hands-on with a lot of these players because of the COVID situation. Um, so I'm not sure that it's just kind of a, a theory that some of these players think or a philosophy based on what's gone before. But right now it's a new staff, and, and you hope that, you know, as they get their hands on these guys and they're able to work with them, uh, that they're doing the right things. Right now I think it's too small of a sample size to say that you can't trust them. I, I, I don't think you can say that. Com- players might feel comfortable working with their own people, especially based on what's gone before with some of the, the medical issues and training situations the Eagles have had. But again, this is a new group, um, and I don't see any reason at this point why you know all of a sudden there should be this mistrust. Yeah, I mean the the person I heard from was probably not on the team long term, so I feel like that's another thing that goes into it is he's playing for his market, but. It's still, uh, it's still questionable. I mean, he's a starting player for the team, so I, that's why I was like, "That's." I mean, as a fan, hearing that, that's a little cause for concern. But another thing that I see a lot of people bring up this week, and I just finally want to get out on the show because this whole entire week it seems to be the focus is on Carson Wentz. But Fletcher Cox, uh, mm. another injury. Seems like the age is picking up for him a little bit. I think a lot of people are starting to be concerned with him. They're posting the stats and stuff. Now, as somebody who watches all 22 is the film I see, you see regularly, he gets double teamed and triple teamed still. He's still a threat in the NFL teams take him seriously. He still makes plays, but the injuries seem to be a little piling up for him. Are, do the fans have a right to be concerned about him? Do you think? Cause he appears to be one of the Eagles most expensive players. Yeah. I mean, listen, Cox doesn't get hurt that often. I mean, I think he's missed three games in his entire career. Uh, it started here in Philly in 2012, and um, he's 29 years old now. So, you know, maybe injuries will start to become a factor. I mean, he's got this oblique uh, injury, and we've seen that with baseball players. It's hard to twist and turn with an oblique, and they usually end up missing, you know, a few weeks with that. Uh, and that's what we could be facing with Cox. I know the Eagles listed him as questionable. For Sunday, they're going to see how he does at practice on Saturday, how he came out of practice on Friday um, before making a a game day decision with him. I suspect that he probably won't play um, because they want to have him for the long term, and I think you might have to rest him for a couple weeks here. Um, And you hope it's not the beginning of an injury slide for him. Um, Like I said, he's only missed three games in nine years. I mean, that's that's pretty good track record. 
Um, may not have gotten off to the start that we had hoped. You know, you'd hope by this point he'd have at least one sack. Um, but you mentioned he gets double and triple teamed, and now it's up to guys uh, like Malik Jackson, who has done a good job. Uh, mm-hmm. uh, you know, he leads the team in quarterback hits with four. He leads them in quarterback pressures. Um, but you hope guys like him and Javon Hargrave, who uh, was in and knocked some of the rust off last week with 25 snaps against the Rams, you hope that he kind of picks up and Hassan Ridgeway you have in there. It's, to me, it's a shame you lost Anthony Rush. I really liked him uh, as a D tackle, um, but they just couldn't fit him on the roster. And now he's, I think he's on the roster somewhere else. I'm not sure with who, but um, but he, he's he, with Seattle. He's with Seattle now, I think. Yeah, well, there you go. I mean, to me, I, I liked him a lot. Um, but this is might, might be the re- reality for Fletcher going forward. Like I said, you hope not. He's always done a good job taking care of his body. It's something he learned when he was a rookie. Um, uh, from some of the older players like Trent Cole, who were on the team then. He talks about Trent Cole kind of being a model for him. Uh, he's done a good job taking care of his body. You just hope that he can continue to do so, and this oblique is just kind of a, a fluke thing that's just going to sidetrack him for, you know, a couple weeks. Yeah, a lot of the fans are questioning him now, though, because the money wise. I've seen a lot of uh, media and all that stuff bringing up his stats this week and last two years, and they're like, is this worth it? Is this not? I don't think you can uh, – I mean, you preach so much in this defensive line. Your defensive coordinator, that's what he pours his heart and soul into. There, I, I don't see a way where you go into this offseason and get rid of Fletcher Cox unless Jim Schwartz is completely gone and you want to tear up the whole entire defense, start anew. Uh, I just I don't see it happening. I, I, I think this talk will go away probably around week eight to the end of the season, to be honest mm-hmm. with you. I think Fletcher Cox will hit his stride. Javon Hargrave will finally get into rhythm – which oh, the hardest thing about uh, I think for Javon Hargrave is he's completely changing his system. He's going to a whole new system. It fits him though, but he's still doing a whole new system. Missed the whole entire training camp pretty much. Comes in, plays twenty five snaps. That's not enough for a defensive lineman to get in a rhythm. By the way, especially coming back from an injury. That's because everybody's looking at him now. Like, well, I mean, maybe we were wrong about this guy. And I'm like, no, twenty five snaps is not enough for a guy coming off injury with no camp really to get into a rhythm in a new system. I'm not worried about him. Lee Jackson looks great, like you said. Son Ridgeway is going to be good, too. He's coming back from injury. We need to give him a little bit of time. Still two games into the season. So I'm not hitting the panic button on all these guys yet. But is it fair to question them? Absolutely. But I'm not going to go throw the panic button and talk about get, start getting rid of guys yet when, I mean, it's two games into the season. I think I think fans are very anxious uh, about that, like $70 million over the cap next year. And so anybody who's struggling early on, they're just like, maybe that can be a candidate for somebody we get rid of. And I don't think that Cox will be part of that conversation, as you said, as the the season goes on. I I could see maybe a potential restructure of the contract with Fletcher, uh, see if they're together to, you know, somehow uh, bring that cap hit down. Which is, I think, over twenty million at this point. Um, but to they me, they have to lead. They have to lead the league in, in money being uh, allocated to three D tackles. I mean, they got. If you put, no, yeah, they. I, it's Malik's making like ten. The uh, Javon's making what thirteen, I think, and then Fletcher's making like sixteen. Like they yeah. have to. Yeah, that's almost forty million that's a year. That's nuts. That's where they put their resources in the D line. I mean, Brandon Graham's making a lot of money at the end. Um, you know, the trenches, Leonard. even the offensive line, the offensive line too makes a lot of money. Like, it's the trenches, that's how they build their, their team. And yep, it's struggling the right now, but I mean, it's 
Yeah, that's what you sign up for, exactly. But I, I think that's winning football still, so I'm, I'm okay with it. Just I wish your defensive ends were being a little bit better. But Josh Sweat is definitely the guy that I've been excited about. Yeah. I do think the defensive ends. I mean, I do think the defensive line didn't really show up against LA, though. I was really disappointed in how they played against LA because that was my that was like my for me matchup of the week. I was like, this is how they can control the game. The defensive line gets off the Jared Goff, he starts turning the ball over, they win. None of that happened, and and that also plays into how these linebackers looked. I mean, I know they yeah. had a bad game, but if this defensive line doesn't win the game or win their matchup, these linebackers are going to look bad every single week. Well, and you know, I think Brandon Graham touched on it when we talked to him earlier in the week that they just everybody tried to do everybody else's job. Um, they tried to make a play. You know, they got hit with the play action. They started biting on the play action. Jared Goff would roll out to his right or left, wide open field. Guys running free. Um, you know, guys need to do their job, and and that's what Brandon talked about. Is even him, he tried to do too much. He just needs to do his job and not worry about what you know the linebackers or the or the cornerbacks and safeties are doing behind him just do your job and trust that everybody else will do their job it was a complete breakdown uh, among all 11 guys i know schwartz took the blame for it um but i don't even think for a minute that schwartz really thinks he was the problem i just think he took the blame uh fell on his shield for the team the team appreciated it and we'll see how they respond on sunday i was gonna ask you uh, about that actually you just reminded me the approach from Doug Peterson this week compared to Jim Schwartz, got to go. Jim Schwartz was a little bit better handling the media this week. I know it's Doug talks to you guys more, but I mean, yeah. what night and day difference from how they handled their uh, and, and press you're, conferences. You're, you're there in the pressers. Doesn't I mean Jim kind of has a like it, it's a regular thing for him to to handle media pretty well, especially after bad performances. Yeah, well, what Jim's good at is filibustering. You know, you're lucky if you can get five or six questions into Jim because he'll take three minutes to answer one question. <laughs> so, you know, you're getting a very limited amount of information um, from Jim. But this week, you know, he said some interesting things. Took the blame. Said he does, he's surprised that he doesn't have – usually he has a good pulse on what that defense is doing. He doesn't have it, which leads to questions about Malcolm Jenkins. When you had Malcolm Jenkins and you could throw him out there at three different positions – uh, you know, that's a pretty good read of a pulse right there if you've got him, but they don't have him. So, you know, he doesn't have the pulse of the team, which to me was a bigger admission than it was that the whole game plan was terrible. And how often do you hear an excuse that it was too simple, we needed to make it more complex? Usually it's it's too complex, we need to <laughs> it down, dumb it down. But he went the opposite way, and I never heard that before. But, um, Again, I, I mean, it was a difference, you know, when Doug talks, but Doug talks three times a week to us, Jim just once. And like I said, he, you're lucky you get six questions into him. Um, so he's the head coach versus the defensive coordinator. You, we used to be able to talk to the defensive coordinators in the locker room before Jim came along um, right there after the game and kind of get their take right at coming out of a game when the emotions are still raw. But Jim doesn't want to do that. He's like, I'm not the head coach. I'm just going to talk to you guys once a week. I'm not going to talk after the game. But it'd be great to get to him after the game to see how he feels in the in the aftermath. You know, just minutes. Oh man, minutes. I would love to see that. I would yeah. love to see it because yeah. he, he brush you guys off. I'll tell he, you right now. Yeah, I don't, want, I don't know. Want to do it. I don't know why Billy Davis wanted to do it. Right, Billy, that's the guy I was thinking of. Billy Davis. Yeah, he did it. He did it after games with Chip Kelly. I'm surprised. He. I'm surprised he wanted to do it. Everybody wanted to kill him every season. <laughs> Billy was a good man. He was a good guy. You know. He was a good guy. Yeah. He was super <laughs> yeah. down to earth. Like, yeah. Yeah. 
But, um, yeah, I, I mean, it'll be interesting to see how the defense responds to Jim. I mean, Jim's not going to come out every week and say it was my fault. I'll tell you that right now. Um, is he going to start singling guys out if they stink it up again on Sunday? I don't know. He's going to start benching people. He's going to start benching yeah. his guys. Like, right. he's going to start benching his guys. He, he, he's very confident. I mean, I'm look, Nicole Ruby Coleman, everybody's killing him this week. Gratefully so. He played awful. I think LA knew him a little bit better than he knew LA though. Whew. When he came out that yes. when he came out this Whew. weekend and he said, uh, I'm gonna give everybody the, the, the game plan here. I'm gonna they must have changed the game plan, buddy, because you gave him the wrong book. Because yeah. that's what I think because when he played against Washington, he was fine. Then he goes, yeah. it, it was Washington, but I mean I just think it was more of I think he has a bounce back week. I was going to say, he's got a good chance. He's going against one of the best slot receivers in the league in Tyler Boyd, yep. so yep. he better That's figure why. it out. Uh, yeah. I, to be honest, Tyler Boyd might be a, a DFS start with the way NRC has looked, man. He's, <laughs> he hasn't played well. Yeah, that's true. I mean, you know, and, Ty, and Avante Maddox and Tyler Boyd were, t- Boyd were teammates. Uh, yep. at Pitt, yeah, Pittsburgh, so, you know, hopefully Maddox isn't, you know, giving any game plan or secrets away on Tyler Boyd. Because we saw how that team backfired with <laughs> NRC and the Rams. We'll see. But I mean, it's the week to ride Miles Sanders, am I right? Yeah, oh yeah. Am I right? Yeah. Oh man, I'm riding Miles Sanders. But if you see his price, I think his price in FanDuel is like 64. I, I forget what it was in Jackie's. And I'm like, this is ridiculous. We've, we've seen this, this before, though. Like, Miles Sanders is, is playing well, he's fresh. Eagles offensive line is good. Bengals defensive line is like one of the worst in the league. They're susceptible against the run. And we're going to see like a mile stat line of like 17 carries for 52 yards. Like it's only only because of the NFL. Like it's just so unpredictable, man. So Sanders is 64 on DraftKings and 74 on FanDuel. Sorry. But Carson's struggling. Doug, just go out there and run the ball. I mean, you had – Miles Sanders was on the field for, I believe, 77% of the backfield snaps uh, this past game, and he was coming back from injury. Keep Continue that. Put him on the field a lot. Use him. Your quarterback is struggling. I don't need – look, everybody wants to have this game from Carson Wentz that vindicates that he's the franchise quarterback or determines it, whatever you want to say. But I, I don't need that against the Bengals. I need whatever it takes to win. They need a win. I need you to go out there, take advantage of their – Poor, poor, poor run defense, and use one of your best playmakers on the team. And not only that, here's what everybody's forgetting about Miles Sanders: with Jalen Rager out, Deshaun Jackson on a pitch Ooh. count, who is their reliable vertical threat on that team now? It's Miles Sanders. So his usage in the receiving game now is even going up with Jalen Rager being out. His carries is going up because they're playing against a horrible run uh, defense. And not only that, they showed you last week. Coming back from injury, they rather have him on the field more than they rather have Boston Scott and Corey Clement on the field. So I need to see a big Miles Sanders week. There's no, literally, no, no excuse whatsoever for Doug Peterson not to run Miles Sanders into the ground this week. And did you guys did you guys notice even last? I mean, Doug has a tendency when he's losing to get away from the run. I mean, they were losing pretty big early to the Rams, and he was stubborn with the run, which I was surprised about. So. There's no reason not to be stubborn with the run against a, a rookie quarterback in a Bengals. Just to drop, just to drop this because we're live and people are tuning in. I think Carson Wentz is injured. 
I think Carson Wentz's training camp injury was worse than let on, and it's affecting his overall play, whereas mechanics are breaking down because of the pain he's going through. I think it's the groin injury. I think it's lingering. I think why Doug Peterson is was what your theory is, Tyler, because all these theories keep adding up to where I'm thinking maybe Carson Wentz is injured. But Doug would never have done that. You're right. He would have kept throwing it and kept throwing it until they could try to until the game was over. That's what you doing. You're from your behind. But if your quarterback's hurt, then what are you going to do? You're going to start leaning on the run more. So I think I don't think Carson Wentz is healthy. That's just I mean that's an excuse. I don't. I'm not. I'm not <laughs> saying I he, he played bad. Still, I'm not not giving him a pass. But I do think he's hurt. I think it's affected his play. Something's going on. Go ahead, Ed. Sorry. If, ahead. if he's that hurt, I don't know why he's not saying something and letting Nate Sudfeld play or Jalen Hurt. I mean. If you're that hurt and you're really not doing the team any favor, I know. But you you think that. Carson Wentz wants to leave the field for Jalen Hurts? Ed, you, well, you think yeah. he really wants that to happen? I don't think he wants to leave the field at all after hearing all the grief he's taken over the years for not staying healthy. But exactly, um, you know, I could definitely see politics getting involved for sure. I think politics. Is, I think politics has involved a lot. And not only that, this is the off season to hide that stuff, though, Ed. You guys aren't always there hands-on as what you used to be. I think this is the offseason where you can swipe stuff, stuff like this underneath the rug. Right. And when we talked about the medical staff, I mean, how hands-on are they actually in this COVID environment? I mean, how often are they are they working with these guys and seeing what Carson's going through? I mean, you would think that if they were worth their weight that they would say something, hey, Carson, your groin uh, is not 100%. You're not testing well uh, with your groin. But uh, – that's not happening. That's so, um, I mean, I, I don't know. I don't know what the issue is with Wentz, but going back to Tyler's point about how many times have we seen a Doug Peterson game plan where it's crying to run the ball and he comes out and throws it 50 times. Um, you know, you just hope that that's not that going to That would suck the one time he does it. It's because the quarterback <laughs> hurt and not because he's just learning. Yeah. I don't, I don't know if I'm on that wave. Only because I think if – Wentz was a little bit hurt or it was lingering, I think that he would make a comment or there would be a subtle in his one of his pressers, there would be something because you as a player, you have to be irritated with media coming at you saying, Why are you missing these throws? Why are you doing this? Why like you miss this? Eventually it's gonna seep up and he's gonna slip up and say, Oh well, you know, there's stuff going on. My dogs are barking, sorry. <laughs> Coming well, off a playoff game where he gets knocked out for concussion, right? The whole entire well, all we talk about is Carson Wentz's injuries. I think he's a little bit more tired of that talk than he is his bad play talk because he doesn't usually play bad. That's true. Well, That's true. I mean, when you start talking about a groin injury, you're talking about a core muscle injury, a sports hernia, um, which yep. can be a little more difficult to diagnose. But you look at how much weight Carson gained in the off season with lifting weights. He got up to 250 pounds. You wonder if maybe he did some damage, uh, you know, sports hernia-wise from lifting all those weights and doing all that physical work. And how often was he with a trainer monitoring him going through this? Or was he just left to his own devices to do whatever he wanted and maybe he overdid it? I think that's kind of what happened to Andre Dillard. You know, everybody wanted him to get stronger and bigger, and he did. And now he has a biceps injury, probably weak in that area. Uh, and then when he started playing football, something ruptured. So, you know, you do wonder, I mean, there's so many reasons for Carson's struggles that are being floated. Um, and that, to me, seems maybe maybe the most logical of them is this groin injury that maybe it's a sports hernia. We don't know. I'm just speculating. I don't know at all. I, I'm going to ask – hold on, I want to ask this real quick. 
when he got injured in training camp, though, how do you are you aware of how it happened? Did it happen on the practice field, or because I never heard anything? No. Well, we didn't see it if it happened on the practice field. Um, they think it happened. Uh, I think it was on that uh, Sunday or uh, Friday leading into the Sunday practice at the link, which would have been August. The, the Sunday practice at the link was August thirtieth. Um, yeah, that's that's the practice he didn't practice for. It. Right. That would have been the open. Yeah, you're right. Yep, that would have right. been the open practice. Usually, what they usually had, and then he wasn't participating. Right, that's right. and they that's were off Saturday, so the the speculation is is it happened Friday, which would have been the twenty eighth, I guess. Yeah, the twenty eighth, mm-hmm. um, because Saturday they were off, and then Sunday he didn't practice, and then he took a few more days off too. So, um, yeah, you wonder, you you wonder if there's something more there. Um, and he's letting on. It would be tough to, to admit that for him because he's missed time through the years, and he's gotten a lot of grief for it. Um, if I'm Carson Wentz, that narrative bothers me more than yeah. people coming at me for playing bad. Because again, I don't expect him to always play that way. And if anybody else does, I'll. Because everybody's always like Carson Wentz is gone. That 2017 Magic is gone. I thought last year he played exceptionally well, so I don't know what they're talking about. Maybe it wasn't to the numbers of the 2013 season, but the play was there. The play was on the field. He played exceptionally well in that season. Mm-hmm. I I'll say this. If he struggles on Sunday, and I'm actually called on when I raise my hand in the Zoom interview, I will ask him if he's healthy and how his groin feels. Just Oh, man, I hope he picks you now. I, I mean, <laughs> even if. Even if they win, if he throws, if he looks off, I would ask it. I mean, it's up to you. It's your question, but I, I, I mean, I think it's fair. We, these are these are these fair. are things no. that we haven't seen from Wentz. Like these, and nobody's these, asking him though. Nobody, but nobody's tracing this theory, and I think it's a fair theory because we how we're we, we going to keep pointing fingers at at the coaching staff. We're going to keep pointing fingers at the players. There's something else going on there, is and we need to figure it out. So I mean. He's not going to tell you the truth, but I like to see how he would react. Right, and he, and here's the thing too: is he seems very hesitant to run the ball again. Probably doesn't want to get hurt, but he's not using his legs. You know, Frank Reich in 2017 used to say, "We want Carson to pick up one first down a game with his legs," and mm-hmm. and we're just not seeing any of that right now. No, he's not. Um, he's not using his athleticism at all. Uh, keeping defenses off balance with that threat of the run. He's kind of become a little more statuesque in the pocket. And that is not, he's not a, a pinpoint, you know, rep, repetitive. Every throw is a great throw type of quarterback. He's got to use his athleticism. That's my point. He's not playing like that. And even it, last no. year he was, if he had to do it, he would do it. He's trying to avoid sacks in the pocket. These, there were design rollouts against LA. Everybody's missing it. He's not doing it. That's, that's my point. I think he's hurt. So, I mean, We'll see. I think he's going to bounce back against the Bengals, but uh, I thought they were going to beat L.A. So uh, making all these assumptions about this team now seems not to be like the smartest move at all. Anyways, Ed, I know that you for Sports Illustrated, you guys have started this whole fantasy stuff lately where you, uh, people are getting your opinions for each round. They're asking each one of the beats who they think are fantasy options this week. So I wanted to start including your fantasy opinions on these uh, game preview shows. Or is it, who, do you guys, who have your eyes on for fantasy options this week in this matchup? Uh, yeah, I was. I did a couple of videos with the SI uh, national video team, and they were talking about Ertz and Goddard. And I think the price, and I don't know uh, what league this is or how they set these prices, but I think for Ertz it was fifty one hundred, and Goddard was forty nine hundred. And 
Um, you know, to me, we've seen Goddard kind of take the torch here, and he's the go-to guy. I mean, he leads this team in uh, receptions. He leads it in yards uh, re- receiving um, with 121 yards, I think, receiving, 12 catches. Ertz has eight catches for 60 yards. So, you know, I would probably play Goddard if I had a choice. First of all, he's cheaper. He's 4,900 versus the 5,100 for Ertz. Um, although I think Ertz could have a big game. Again, we mentioned the rookie linebackers, the, the Bengals run out there. Um, but I like Goddard as a play, and we talked about Sanders. you got to play Sanders. And, uh, and Deshaun Jackson for the Eagles. I think he'd be a good play as well. Um, just because I think, you know, here it is two games. He doesn't have a touchdown. They really haven't thrown the ball deep to him. Um, they used Rager in that role. I suspect that they'll try to get him deep on a couple passes, uh, especially because this defensive line of the Bengals shouldn't be able to pressure Wentz as much as some of these previous defenses. So you should have some time uh, to get a receiver deep. So I think Deshaun Jackson could have one of those games where he pops one uh, touchdown pass of, you know, 50-plus yards. So he'd be a good play in my book, too. This team has historically uh-huh. played bad against the Bengals. Like, yeah. Mm-hmm. Historically bad. I, you I know, Atkins is out this week. Mike Daniels might be out, though. Like, there, no there's no reason. For... There's no reason that they should struggle against this team. Joe Burrow is the reason. Joe Burrow. No, Joe Burrow. The stud. I think Joe Burrow will put out I, – I think he'll have a good game regardless, but I don't think it's going to be enough for them to win if that's what it comes down to. I think the Eagles will still win. But, again, like I said, you can't really assume stuff with this team. Uh, I, I'm with you, though. If I'm using a tight end for the Eagles this week and I need to play one, I'm playing Goddard. I don't think they're going to shy away from starting to make him the primary target of this team. I think the writing's on the wall of theirs. So I, I think they're going to start – keep continue putting the game through Dallas Goddard. Yep. So if I'm playing an Eagles tight end this week, Zach Gertz could score. Dallas tar- Dallas Goddard's probably going to see the more targets though. So I, I think Goddard's a safer play, and he's cheaper in both formats. In FanDuel and DraftKings, he's cheaper. In, in DraftKings though, he's closer to Zach Gertz's salary, but in in FanDuel, he's like a thousand bucks cheaper. So yeah, I would rather Dallas Goddard wave. I'm picking tight. End. It's a good tight end slate though this week for fantasy. But again, Miles Sanders has to be in your lineups. Has to be in your lineups. Uh, I know in fantasy football, he's you're obviously sorry again, but in DFS, uh, if he's not in your lineup, you're you're making a mistake. I like the Deshaun pick. I like the Tyler Boyd pick as well. I think Tyler Boyd is is a good pick. Uh, I'm wondering how the Eagles handle Joe Mixon. I know the Bengals really struggle to run the ball because their offensive line is abysmal. Uh, Jonah Williams is playing really well for them right now, but the rest of the line is abysmal. But, uh, I mean, the Eagles' run defense has not been the same right now. Yeah. So I'm interested to see how they handle Joe Mixon. Yeah, and then Drew Sample, obviously. Drew Sample, the tight end for the Bengals, is the great value play for all DFS formats. Well, uh, Zach Taylor came from Sean McVay's system. He was a quarterback coach in 2018 for McVay. So um, he obviously saw the game tape of what the Rams were able to do. And I would suspect that there might be some similar, uh, you know, it's a copycat league. That was kind of the watchword of these players all week. So they're expecting to see some of the uh, elements. It's a different offense, but – uh, some of those off, uh, some of those elements that McVeigh used to really sting the Eagles and keep them on their heels. We could see the Bengals employ some of that. And, and just ex- you said a cop- copycat league. Teams are going to start running a ton of misdirection uh, against the Eagles. The, yeah. the, this defense is so attack mode. Cowboys struggle with it too. Any end arounds or play action rollouts. Are, the DNs just look lost. And until they show, especially linebackers, Gary looked like he was in a blender. Uh, it 
in, in, it's until the linebackers and defense kind of show that they can do that, I would anticipate teams to use a lot of wrinkles that the Rams did. Yep. Yeah, buddy, they're not, uh, buddy Anderson, if the Eagles lose to the Bengals, do the Eagles continue to start Wentz or bench him? They're not benching Carson Wentz. Well, and, and that question needs context because what if Wentz plays well? Yeah, I, I agree. They're not going to bench him unless it's an injury or something. Something like that that we don't know about. But I, I don't see it happening either. I mean, you know, we're only in week three. Um, the schedule doesn't get easier. You have two road trips to San Fran and Pittsburgh on the other end of Cincinnati. Uh, and then you have the Ravens coming in. So it doesn't get easier. Um, Jalen Hurts is not ready to play quarterback. I'll tell you that right now. He's just not. If you think no. Wentz is struggling with accuracy, wait till you see Hurts. Hurts. Um, he needs to get better and that, and you know, not having those OTAs that, that impacted him. Um, but yeah, no, Jalen Hurts is not playing his rookie year. It's not, it's, he's not starting quarterback for the Eagles his rookie year. It's not going to happen. And, and in training camp compared to last year and this year, do you, do you, did you see before the Washington game, did you notice, or did you ever have a thought to yourself? Like, you know what, Wentz, Wentz is missing throws that I am not accustomed to seeing in the past. Did I see that in training camp in 2019? In this year. Versus this year? So watching this year compared to last, did oh, you yeah. I don't, see I don't think I don't think Wentz had a good training camp, to be honest, this year at all, um, to be honest. I mean, I saw some of these issues that he's having now as missing guys. Yeah. Um, he didn't look as dialed in or locked in and as compared to last year. I thought he had a good camp last year. Larger sample size, of course. We saw him through the spring. We saw him in mini camp in June, and then we saw him – you know, for three weeks uh, in training camp. This year we saw him for, you know, not even two weeks in training camp. We didn't see him in the spring. But to me, he didn't look as sharp or as dialed in um, with some of his throws. Um, so it, it's not really a surprise. He threw some interceptions uh, in training camp, just bad throws uh, this year. So in retrospect, maybe you could see some of this coming. I, I you know. That's interesting. That's interesting. Not have not really heard that. That's kind of new, I think, to me. If, if so, he's looking the same to you. He, he, he said he looked, a, he looked like he had a, a pretty bad. Or compared to last year, his camp was better last year. Is what he yeah, said. yeah. This year, you know, I mean, but he's actually looked probably worse since the season started than he did in camp. But again, yeah, that's what I meant. Oh wow! For 12, 12 practices in camp. Um, and they're doing different things. You don't know exactly what they're working on. But he did make some some throws that were like, wow, that's not a good throw. Um, but now he's doing more of that once the season has begun. So, um, you know, and then that's the, the stuff he was doing in camp predates the groin injury. So, you know, you can't really look at that and say, well, he was hurt. Um, so that's true. it's just it could just be, you know, he just need. He's 100 percent a rhythm guy. I mean, yeah. you've got to get him in rhythm. And, yeah. and once that happens, Wentz looks flawless. But, I mean, he just hasn't found a rhythm yet. I thought that he found it in the first half of Washington game and then the second half – or right before the second, first half ended. And then since then, he's just been – Peterson's number one goal has got to get him in rhythm. you you got to. Because the, mm-hmm. the gimmies are going to be missed if he's missing his first few. Yeah. So something's got to give. Yep. What's your final score prediction, Ed? What do you what do you see happening? Listen, I picked the Eagles the last two weeks. I'm going to pick against the Eagles this week. I'm going to go with the Bengals, twenty four to twenty three. Oh no! Um, you know, I just 
I really like the way Burrow's playing. I was in on a video call with him earlier this week, and, man, that guy, he's like, we're all itching for a win. You know, he really seems like he wants to win. He's not used to losing. Um, I would like the Eagles better if there were fans in the crowd instead of these cardboard cutouts. I think it would be a tough environment for a rookie quarterback to come in and play, but it's not going to be there. I mean, um, I just think the Bengals are going to find a way to win, and I think Wentz will play better, but I just don't think it's going to be enough. I think this defense has some issues um, that can be taken advantage of, and I think the Bengals will find a way. I'm just – I don't know what – Eagles Twitter would would if the Eagles lost to the Bengals. I don't know. I don't, know. I, I don't care about them. I don't know what I would do. I don't know what I would do either. Man, I, that would be awful. I well, mean, listen, I, I've like, the first two weeks, so I, I you know, I'm, maybe I'm wrong this time too. Well, I'm not gonna lie. I, it's awful that would happen this year. I'm used to the Bengals beating us though, because you're right. It would be Donovan McNabb freaking tied with them and didn't even know we could tie football games. Like, I've been I've been used to this. Like I feel like we don't beat them usually, anyways. But I mean, and then last time we played, of course, we went through the ball sixty times. So I I think I would be a, I would be furious that they they're zero and three and they'll awful then. But I'd be a little bit more furious that we can't freaking beat the Bengals. Eagle, Eagles lose to Cincinnati tomorrow, and there's a lot of questions surrounding. I mean, there already was, but Doug is officially on the hot seat. Uh, I mean, there's legitimate, like, big changes that can happen. Bro, uh, if, if, the, if, you, if the Eagles lose to Cincinnati, I'm going to pull an Odell on this podcast and be like, I'm not having fun anymore. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I'm, I'm not having fun anymore. This was supposed to be fun. It's not. <laughs> but, oh, man, I mean, I don't. Hopefully, Ed, you pick it against them means they win, though. Maybe, maybe I should join that wave, too, because I'm, I'm with them to win. I'm 0-2 as well. I'm 0-2 <laughs> yeah, as not... well. Yeah, these, these two seasons, I mean, these kinds of seasons are not fun. I was My first years on the beat were the last two years of Andy Reid's uh, run in Philadelphia, and, man, it was, it was pretty ugly. I mean, Dark that, times. Um, no fun at all. And I'm thinking, what did I get myself into here? <laughs> Um, Even in the media room. I mean, this was back when, you know, there was the fight in the media room between two reporters. If you remember, you know, I don't want to name their names, but if you remember, uh, you know, one of the reporter, I'm sitting right there. One reporter comes in and says something and just unwinds with a, with a right hand cross. I do remember that. It it went viral on Twitter, I think. Yeah, it did. And because (laughs) Howard Eskin put it out there and I'm thinking, this was back in 2011 or 12, I guess it was 2011. And I'm thinking, like, should I tweet this? You know, Twitter was still kind of this new. I'm, I'm like, you know, I'm th- three days into the just being put on the beat. I'm like, what do I? How do I handle it? Because I thought it was just a big kind of a joke, and all of a sudden, you know, uh, the haymaker comes, and uh, and then from there, you know, kind of got worse. But uh, but I mean, even in the media room and on the field and in the light, it was just a mess. And um, you know, I just hope for your guys' sake, that it doesn't come down to that because then, you know, the fun is... You're going to you're gonna just have, like, just us just bit, bitching and moaning just to you if, if this continues. I don't know. We're going to have to vent to somebody. <laughs> yep, we're going well, like, to be like, Ed, we got the script ready for you for the press conference. You need to go in there and start <laughs> nailing these guys, man. Like, you start hey, yeah. throwing these haymakers in. I mean, I love Ed's questions, though. I... I, I listen to those press conferences all the time, and I'm like, finally, somebody's trying to get an answer for a legitimate question instead of like, Doug, what are you doing? Like, and then making Doug say, 
Have you ever played quarterback in the NFL before? <laughs> my my yeah. favorite my favorite is when somebody uh, doesn't ask a question; they just state an observation. Yeah, because <laughs> well, Doug calls him out, and then he gives it up. Yeah. yeah. All right. Thanks. Uh, I like it last year when the the fan sneaks into the the uh, media room and then. Who is this guy? We filled up here, man. That's that's something, man. We're something. We're a market over here. On the Press Taylor uh, transcript, I wasn't on for Press Taylor's Zoom call. I had to do a, an SI video uh, at that time. But um, I, I looked at it last night, and I'm looking at who the questioners were, and there was someone named Ben Baby. And I'm like, you know, who's Ben Baby? <laughs> ben ba- Is this like some kind of a joke, or did someone get in the Zoom? That shouldn't be? But it was a legitimate question. So, uh, you know, I sent a couple of texts to some of you know, my friends on the beat, and they were like, yeah, you look like – you know, Baby Finster, if you remember him from the Bugs Bunny series long time. Uh, <laughs> you know, well, now it gets even weirder. If it was like some off-the-wall question, I would be suspicious. And Wait, Philadelphia uh, has, a, has, a, has a new beat writer named Ben Baby, or was it a Cincinnati guy? It had, it, it, one of the, my colleagues said that he thought it was a Cincinnati writer. Yeah, I was going to say, I'm going to follow yeah, I gotta get Ben Baby on the show then, for real, because that's a new that's a new B writer I want to have. But yeah, I don't know what where that name. Came and then from. I'm gonna be like, how are these guys getting credentialed that I'm not yet? Like, I'm, I need to get into these Zoom meetings. Like, what's going on? If we got Ben Baby, somebody having fun or what? I did. I wasn't. I'm like Ben Baby, man. I, I was really caught off guard. It's like 10 o'clock at night. I'm finally looking at it, and I'm like, wait, this doesn't sound right. So I sent out a few texts, and that's what they says, like Baby Finster, you know, like in the Bugs Bunny cartoon from years and years. That's what we looked like. I'm like, well, now it's even weirder. All right. Well, let's end the show, guys. Ed, as always, thanks for coming on for our Saturday routine shows. We'll most likely be back next week as well. Guys, I do have an announcement. It is my birthday tomorrow, so hopefully the Eagles freaking win because I need a win for my birthday. Happy birthday. Appreciate it. Appreciate it. Hopefully they win for my birthday for once. Mm -hmm. Uh, But thanks for – Thanks for hopping on, Ed. Thanks for all the info. Again, Ed at Sports Illustrated, Eagles Raven, all the great articles with him and John McMullen all week long. That isn't just clickbait stuff. I cannot stress that enough. There's actually info in there. They don't focus on one issue like other places do. They focus on everything. So, Thank you. Ed, yeah. thanks, thanks for having me on, and yep. uh, we'll see you guys next week. All right. Peace, guys. Peace. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.